We're going to be looking at, um, well, I say we're going to be looking at, it, we're going to be taking something out of John uh, chapter 21. But before we, uh, uh, I share what uh, I believe the Lord's just laid on my heart for this morning, um, let's just be still for a moment. I'll just make yourself comfortable um, because uh, Poirot is going to read to us um, John 21. So you might just close your eyes. Just allow uh, the recording of this uh, reading from John chapter 21 just to speak to you. Listen, don't follow in the Bible. Please don't look it up. Just be sitting still and allow the word of God just to speak into you. So Steve, whooping up the sound so the sound's going to go. And Mark is going to play it for us now. Thank you. John chapter 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning... Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred meters. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, 
and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to imitate. John chapter 21. We know from uh, the reading that we've just listened to that John 21 focuses very much upon the uh, restoration of uh, Peter and getting Peter back on track and in line with the calling that uh, God has placed over his life. And um, I wanna, there's a couple of things that I just want to touch on as we, we start. Is that... John 21 begins with uh, a Peter's confession that even though amazing things had happened, even though tragedy had struck and there was this uh, dream that I suppose the disciples had that has now been absolutely obliterated, what happens for Peter is not a case of um, gather with the boys and let's hucker down and let's focus on what Jesus Jesus said to us, for Peter it was, let's go back to normal, whatever normal was. And Peter's words are, I'm going fishing. And then some of the other guys turned around and said, yeah, okay, we'll come with you. And I think it's one of those things, isn't it? When we find ourselves in places of, of difficulty, when we find ourselves um, under pressure, the easy thing to do is to go back to the way things were. And that's what Peter has done. I think about what's happened for us as a nation, if not the whole world, with regard to the COVID pandemic. I mean, here we are today, most of us uh, are feeling quite uh, relaxed about the situation in the way that we act and the way that we dress and the way that we wear masks or not masks or whatever. And, you know, you go shopping and some are wearing, some are not, some people keep their distance, some, and we're pretty much at ease. And the one thing that I recognize is that most people, with, certainly within church life, just wanted to go back. I want to go back to the way things were. Peter went back to the way things were. Let's go back fishing. Let's go back to the way we did things as a church before. But I believe that God's desire for us is to recognize something that has happened that has caused us to pause and rethink who we are and what we are about as his family. And even as I read these words from John 21, the challenge that I get is, let's not go back to normal, whatever normal was. Because the truth is, let me just say this, what it was before weren't that great. It really wasn't. Here's the Great Commission. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises, and surely I'll be with you, always. So the Great Commission, therefore go. We're meant to be a people of mission and movement that we celebrate this year. 40 years of Basingstoke Baptist Church being here, a light in this community. Can I just say, I think we've done a pretty poor job, to be honest. To be totally honest. God's raising up a people. 
And he's raising up a people with a passion for him not to go back to the way things were. We need to rediscover what is it God's calling us to? How are we meant to be? Why are we not as effective at impacting the community around us as God desires us to be? Let's not go back to the way we were two years ago or 20 years ago, or even in some church situations, 100 years ago, because that's the way we like it. I believe the call to each and every one of us is to recognize that something has happened that's put a pause in our lives, and that pause, let's say that was God-given. He didn't send it, but this is a pause that God is going to use to help us to think again about who we are, who we're called to be, and the mission that he has given to each of us. That's not what I was going to talk about, though. That's something for us to dwell over, mull over, pray over in the days and the weeks and the months to come because we are going to be the people that God calls us to be. That's our mission. That's always been the mission of the people of God here. We want to be who God calls us to be. Just as a side note as well, there's this um, barbecue that Jesus produces on the beach. And this barbecue talks about hot coals. There's only two times in scripture where the phrase of those hot coal fire are used. It's this occasion with Jesus cooking on the beach for the disciples. And the other occasion is when Peter is stood around a fire whilst Jesus is being uh, interrogated. And do you remember the people who recognized that Peter had been with Jesus? And Peter denies that knowledge three times. But he's around this fire and he denies Jesus three times. And then on the beach, there's a fire, exactly the same words. And therefore, I recognize that this is all about restoration and renewal. This is all about forgiveness and release. And the thing about this that I think is even more important is to recognize with regard to Peter that the main area of challenge for him was the fact that God has forgiven him and therefore he needs to forgive himself. I don't know if anybody here has issues forgiving themselves. You know, when somebody does something wrong to you or or says something towards you that's hurtful, do you know, you can spend, you know, I I can forgive that. I say, I'm going to, I'm going to let that go. Otherwise, it's just going to eat me up. So I'm going to offer forgiveness and I'm going to release that person, that situation. But the hardest thing that most people find to do is to forgive themselves. What must be going on in Peter's mind when he recognizes what he done, has done was predicted and he's fallen straight into the trap that the enemy brings and therefore he's going to be walking around thinking to himself, I denied Jesus, I denied him, I stood against him, I didn't stand up for everything that I initially thought I was standing for. That guilt, that shame. And that's the characteristics of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness to yourself. You feel guilty. You feel shameful. That when you have time quiet on your own, what you find is that you retrace things that you've said or things that you have done. I've always found the morning shower is the worst place for me to have the enemy drag something up. 
I don't know what it is about showers. I was thinking to myself, I need to just stop showering. But my family didn't feel that was a good thing to do. Um, But you see, when things are being brought up, this is what the enemy's tactic is. What he does is he undermines you and your relationship with Christ. And he is the accuser of the saints. He'll tell you stuff that is absolute rubbish and lies. Scriptures remind us that he prowls like a lion looking for someone to devour. And personal unforgiveness is one of those areas that the enemy loves to hang on to. So we see in the scripture that we have from uh, John 21 that Jesus comes alongside and he is in the restoration business. He knows the call over Peter's life as he knows the call over your life. And the key for him is to ensure that the calling is fulfilled. When you feel disabled, when you feel knocked off course, when you feel that you are not worthy of the love that God has towards you, or not worthy of the call that he's placed upon you, when you think, I can't do this, I shouldn't do this, then you need to know this morning that more often than not, it's the enemy speaking to you. And the key to releasing you from the impact of his voice is forgiving yourself. Listen to what the Bible says. This is what we read in John chapter 8. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Can you say that with me? If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. How free are you feeling today? Well, the amount of freedom that you feel is relative to how much you believe the Word of God. Because scripture says here, quite clearly, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Has the sun set you free? If you have come into a loving relationship with your heavenly father, if you've recognized that he is Lord of all, and you have allowed him to come and lead and guide and be the number one in your life, You've recognized everything that he's done to draw you to himself. And he is Lord of all. Then you are in a place of freedom. But you say, Dave, I don't feel that free. Listen to what Paul reminds us of in Romans chapter 5. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. What we need to take on board is that God has stepped in, made the first move to eradicate everything that would cause you to feel that there is a barrier between you and himself. He's done everything. There's nothing that you have done, nothing that you have said, nothing that you have thought that can ever be a barrier to God's love transforming your life. Paul is so clear about this. He demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, he didn't wait till you got cleaned up and sorted out because he was the one who was going to clean you up and sort you out. 
So he makes the first move. And the cool thing I love about this is when God makes the first move, he wants you to know that he has included you in a plan that he's had from the very, very beginning. He is, it says in 1 John, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's my sins, that's your sins, but not only ours, but the sins of the whole world. So when God comes and says, I am bringing forgiveness into your life, you've got to recognize the enormity of what he is bringing. And what he is bringing is the forgiveness for every wrong thought, every wrong action, every wrong word that all people of all time have ever done. That's massive, isn't it? I just think that's just like a lot. But you see, one of the things that we need to take on board is the fact that we are part of God's amazing plan of transformation for all of creation. And therefore, he singles out you, as he singled out me, to remind me of his love for us. And that for us to be in that place where nothing is going to impinge our ongoing growth towards Christ-likeness. I've done it all. So when we recognize that God has the power, the inclination, the desire to completely forgive the sins of the whole world, when we find ourselves being challenged by not being able to forgive ourselves for something, we've got to stop for a moment, we've got to remove ourselves, and then recognize that God is in control. And who am I to say, well, you can't forgive that. Because you can't forgive that, I can't forgive that. What we've got to say is, God, you are amazing. You are phenomenal. You have forgiven the sins of the whole world. And therefore, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take on board for myself the reality of your forgiveness. And I am going to set myself free. Now, you see, what happens is there's usually a problem. One of the problems that happens is that we start um, grading sins. I mean, have you ever done that? Have you ever graded sins? You know, what well, a murder, that's going to be a, a, you know, that's going to be a top, top sin, isn't it? We'll go for a number 10 on that one. Um, uh, parking on double yellow lines just was I'm waiting for somebody because I'm going to be there for 30 seconds. Well, then, you know, that's down. That's not going to hurt anyone, is it? So that's a number one or number two, something like that. Uh, a little white lie just to make things go along. That's a number four, maybe five. Uh, taking something that's not ours. Mm, okay, that might be a little bit further up. God doesn't grade sin. God doesn't grade sin. This is what the Bible says in uh, James 2.10. Whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. So whether you, you know, I've done this right, done this right, done this right, done right, oh, I've done all that, but I've messed up here. Well, the mess up here wipes out all the other stuff. And when we think about other people, and this is what happens usually, is that we start to compare ourselves with others. As we think about other people, we think, oh, but they're just so good. They're not. They're just like you. 
Some people put a pretty good face on and a good act. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter the levels or the heights or whatever we judge. God just judges sin as sin. It's, it's just flat line. Sin. And therefore, if God judges sin as a flat line, again, it doesn't matter what I've done, doesn't matter where I've been, doesn't matter what I've thought, doesn't matter what I've said, all of it is, is, is equal. I'm a sinner. Just sinned. And God forgives sinners like you and like me. You see, part of the... Uh, journey that we need to travel to recognize the restoration like Peter has been restored is to know that we're invited for breakfast. That was the mind blower, wasn't it? So the disciples are out doing a bit of fishing. There's some bloke on the beach making a fire and he's already got some fish on there, already cooking. And then he stands on the edge and, and there's the whole uh, dialogue with regard, have you caught anything? Throw your net over the other side. 153 fish, all of that sort of stuff. The thing about it which was most amazing was when there was the recognition that it's the Lord on the beach and the first person to respond to that is the one who puts his coat around himself, jumps in the water, and that's Peter. He wants to be with Jesus. He thought he'd blown it. He wants to be with Jesus. Doesn't matter what you've done. Recognize that Jesus is pursuing you for intimacy. He wants to be with you. He wants to have breakfast with you. He prefers you, desires you, loves you. Do you know, I'll, I'll go even deeper. Jesus likes you. Do you know there's some people who just like being around? I, I don't know if you've ever met people who just, do you know, I just really like being around them. Somehow they just do something for me. And hopefully I would be the same, you know, I, I hope that, you know, that would be the same people. Oh, I like being around Davies. Jesus loves being around you. This is what uh, the uh, Apostle Paul reminds us. There's therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What is uh, one of the things that the enemy does is he, he drags stuff up and he puts you down. He, he challenges every good thing that you do because he reminds you of things that you've done. But the truth of the matter is there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. So today, for someone, know that you're loved, know that you're liked, know that God's forgiveness towards you is so big because he forgives the whole world. It is so absolutely on the level, it doesn't matter what you've done, all sin is sin. And because he forgives and he loves, he says to you, will you forgive yourself? Will you love yourself? There's that brilliant bit of scripture, isn't it? You know, what are we meant to do? The question is before the Lord, isn't it? You know, what are the, uh, what's the top commandment, Jesus? What should we keep? And it starts off with, you, you love God. Love God. Okay, right, number one, love God. And then love your neighbor. 
Okay, well, I quite like my neighbor. That's going to be easy. But the term is, isn't it, love your neighbor as yourself. How can you love your neighbor if you don't love yourself? God wants you to know that you are forgiven, therefore forgive yourself. That you are loved. And because you are loved, you have the capacity to love others. And it's not a case of walking around with a, a billboard that says all the stuff that you've ever done, and you feel that that is a way of... Uh, separating you from the world. Let me, here's, here's a scripture. Blow, this will blow your mind. You ready for this? Okay, here it is. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Can we just take a moment? Just look around. Just do this. Have a look. Eye contact someone because they've sinned. All right? Just look around. They've, we've all sinned. If you've eye contacted me, you're eye contacting somebody who has sinned. And, and I'm unco- I, co- I, I can't even say the words. All have sinned. So we need to be in that place where we are willing to say, it's time to stop rolling around in the dirt and the ashes and to rise up and be all that God has called us to be, recognizing that your sins are forgiven. He's forgiven the sins of the whole world. And if he's done that, he's forgiven your sins. And if he's done that, forgive yourself. How, Dave? It's really easy. There you go. Confession. Start with confession. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Some of the most humbling times that I've ever had as a pastor is when somebody's come to me about an issue and we sit down and we discuss the issue, whatever it is, whatever. And sometimes we find out that whatever they came to talk to me about was not really what was on God's agenda. And God's agenda was about freedom. They didn't need advice. They didn't need counsel. They needed to be set free. And the greatest thing that they needed was to know that they were safe, they were loved, and that they were... I like the term um, Teflon-coated. That what the enemy chucks at them doesn't stick. And I tell you... Sometimes I've sat with people who felt that they are in a safe place and they can tell me some really difficult things. And what has been absolutely awesome is in that safe environment, in that place of encouragement and love, they have become free. They've kept the secret for so long. I can remember many situations where tears have just flowed as freedom has come because they were able to speak out some of the stuff that they had done that they weren't happy about, but they wanted to just lay it out before God and to do it with a witness and then to recognize that as I've prayed for them after they've shared, they walk out taller lighter when people have said you know what i'm struggle sleeping and then i get the text the next day best night's sleep i have ever had
That's what Jesus does. He sets us free. And it can begin with confession. Start off with confession. Lord, forgive me. Speak it out. Find a witness, somebody you love, somebody you trust, share it out. And the thing about it is, what happens sometimes is, is we hit that wall that says, um, but this is too bad. Look what Jesus says, you know, Anna, this is the Apostle Paul. Um, I just love this. But he said to me, my great, this is God speaking. Do you know what Paul did? I don't know how many Christians you've killed. But Paul was a pretty radical, nasty bloke. Restored, set apart, redirected, given a new mission. So he writes to us, come on people, you need to know that God's grace is sufficient. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Are you feeling a little bit wobbly? Are you feeling a little bit weak? Are you feeling a bit insecure? Are you feeling a bit ineffective? Well, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Where you lack, I come with abundance. I love that. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. That's the thing about when you stand on a platform week by week by week. The one thing that I want to say, and I'm sure that you've all picked up over the last five or so years that I've been around here, is Dave ain't perfect. He really isn't. And I confess my failings, left, right, and center. But you see, because of God's grace, I'm still able to do what I'm able to do. Because of God's grace, you're still able to do what you're able to do, and abundantly more. And when we move on from that place of self-condemnation, when we move into that place that... uh, we can see that God is setting us free, forgiving yourself then we move into that place where Peter moves to being um, effective, empowered child of the king. Don't allow unforgiveness, not towards others. Don't allow that. But also unforgiveness towards yourself to be a stumbling block from all that God... He can deal with whatever it is. And I'll tell you what, what's really quite, quite amazing is that the Word of God tells us that he takes all of our sins. I don't know if you've ever read this in the Bible. He takes all of our sins and, and he throws them um, about 25 miles. Is that right? So where does he throw them? Do you know how far it is from east to west? I think it was Wesley who was talking about this a while back. Uh, and the end result of chatting with Wesley was the, the revelation that it's a long way. That's how far he takes our sin. He's not waiting to jump on you and say, ah, but this. He takes them as far as east is from west. He forgives us, but he also forgets. Do you know that time when you said, Lord, forgive me for watching this that I shouldn't have watched? And then we go about our business and do some other stuff or whatever. And then a couple of days later, and you just go, oh, Lord, do you know when I said to thee about the forgiving me for that? And, and, and God's going to say, Dave, no idea what you're talking about. As far as east is from, from west. I think it was uh, 
Corrie Ten Boon, who says she you know, throws them into the deepest ocean and then puts up a sign and says, no fishing. Don't dig it back up. Stay free. This is what it says. Look, ready for this? Hebrews 10, 17. This is what God is saying to you. He says, your sin, your lawless acts, I will remember no more. Isn't that awesome? So all that stuff that we worry about, all that stuff that comes to mind in the shower, all that unforgiveness where we have felt we we were not worthy of the forgiveness, once we've confessed it, once we've brought that before God, God says quite clearly, I will remember it no more. And it doesn't mean that those things that we've been through are um, just push to one side, what God says is, let's learn through this. Because what you have been through may be exactly what is needed to help someone else who's struggling in the same area, and or it may be what's needed to empower you to go to another level in your relationship with God. Look at what uh, Paul writes to the Romans 8.28. For we know in all things God works for the good. Even the difficult stuff is working to something good for you and for me. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. This is what we're told in the book of James. Let's confess our sins to each other. Pray for each other so that we may be healed. And that personal forgiveness is about healing Healing your heart, that you may be healed. And the cool thing is that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is why I love doing it together, because when you've got somebody with you who then prays for you, we can recognize the power that God adds to that encounter. This is what the word of God reminds us. He's faithful. He forgives all our sins. He'll purify us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. And be careful again. Little sins, big sins. We've got to remember God takes it all on the level. There's no such thing as a big or a little. This is what it says in James chapter 2. Whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles over a one part, it's like messing up the whole law. He wants you to be free. And the freedom is something that is attainable for you and for me because he's done everything that we need to be able to walk in that freedom. Philippians chapter 4. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can't forgive myself. Have you ever heard someone say that? Do you know what? I just can't forgive myself. Yes, you can. You can forgive yourself because he's forgiven you. Don't curse yourself. I can forgive myself. I can draw a line because I have a saviour who went to a cross for me. Paul reminds us, I can do all things through him 
who strengthens me. And whatever we have been through, let me close with this promise from Isaiah 61. You provide for those who grieve in Zion. Bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. Garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's the journey that he wants you to experience, to know. It's a transformation from unforgiven to set free. Let's stand together as the worship team come and join me. In front, just like this. Just hold it there. I'm going to read this scripture over you. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So, Heavenly Father, we just want to pray today that we might fully know what it means to be set free. That our sins are forgiven. That you have done everything. So help us, Lord, in our open hands to receive everything that you have for us. May we come with confession before you over those areas of lives that we have found to be a stumbling block in our walk with you. Help us to deal with those issues in the mighty name of Jesus. Confession, confessing, receiving your forgiveness and repenting, Lord, not going back there again. And as you fill us, even now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to know deep in our hearts how loved and liked we are today. That where there's been difficulty sleeping, may we sleep in peace. Where there's been anxiety and fear and depression, we break that off in the mighty name of Jesus. As we recognize and receive the fullness of your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And we've come to you today. To have life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name. Amen.